Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. I think I'm going to ask him. Oh, no, no, not right now. Not right now. You see, don't you see he's in the middle of praying? Don't ask, don't, don't interrupt him. Don't ask him. Okay, well, what are we supposed to do? Just sit here and wait? Why not? He'll finish it and just give him a minute. There, there, there. He, he just finished. T- teacher, teacher. Uh, we couldn't help but notice that you spend, well, you spend a good amount of time in prayer. Now, we were thinking uh, that maybe we could learn how to pray like that. Now, I had heard that John uh, used to teach his disciples how to pray, and we figured if anyone knew how to pray, it would be, well, you, Rabbi, can you teach us to pray? Hmm. Yes, I can do that. Now pay attention, because I will not always be here. So listen, when you go before the Father, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who debt against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. My disciples, remember this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek, well, they find. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you remember these things, my disciples, it will serve you well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time now to open your word, a a piece that we keep on the calendar every week, to come in here, to, to explore and to dive in to your written word. Father, I pray that as your mouthpiece, that I only speak truth. If anything I say is not of that, then correct me now on this place. Father, 
I pray that we walk out of this room with a clear understanding what it is you want us. What do you want from us, Lord? And so, Lord, we lay this before you now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I like that. Do you want to come up here and do that? Okay. All right. Good morning. I believe a good quarter of you that it is a good morning. It's been a wonderful day of worship, hasn't it? And I will tell you, as mentioned, my wife and I were not here last week, but we missed you. We missed you, and we watched online. And we were able to still be with you and partake in that way. And to our brothers and sisters who are watching online right now, we welcome you, and we're so glad that you're here and that you're with us in spirit. But right now, we are in our fourth and it's hard to believe, final week of our series, Swords and Thrones. I'll admit, I have enjoyed studying and going through this particular couple of chapters in 2 Kings. My goodness, the history of the Old Testament really jumps off the page. And it is something that even still today, you and I can walk away with a clear understanding of who God is in our lives. So if right now, let's just say you're joining us for the first time, you haven't heard anything so far about the last three series or the three weeks here at Hezekiah, we've been walking through the reign of the good king, the righteous king, King Hezekiah. He is one of the kings of Judah, southern kingdom. Now the third week, the last one that I came up here and preached on, the third week was kind of somewhat really of a climax. It was really kind of a big deal. Uh, within the Hezekiah storyline. So to recap, what we've seen so far is that Hezekiah, he has now taken the throne after his father has died, who was a very evil king. His dad was, was terrible at leading the nation of Judah, especially into the presence of God. And so Hezekiah, all we know from the storyline, is that Hezekiah has, has decided to follow the Lord. So the first thing he does, he removes all of the pagan things out of the temple and the city. Anything that's not of the Lord, get it out of here. It doesn't belong here. So he's removed it all. Then he stopped paying the annual tribute or the fee, the money that Judah was paying Assyria to protect them. And instead, Hezekiah says, I want to stop paying them and I'm actually going to lean on God for our protection. We're going to knock that off. We're not supporting that anymore. And so he stops paying. Guess what? They noticed. They noticed he wasn't paying anymore. And so now they've come knocking onto the door. We're here to collect. And they stayed true to them. No, we are serving the Lord. And so now a battle has taken place. And Assyria has come upon this nation, Jerusalem now, ready to battle. But there's one thing that um, Assyria was not prepared for. In all of their travels and conquests, they have never faced anyone or anything like the God of Judah. And so God sat down, he sent on behalf of his people an angel to go and battle the entire Assyrian army, just one angel down to kill 185,000 men. The power, El Shaddai, one angel to take on an entire nation. I mean, how many angels are in the realms now? My goodness. And so here, where we stopped in the last, uh, in series three, when we were going through that, we see that Judah, 
has been saved. It's been saved. It's been set free from the oppression of Assyria. Okay, what possible more could we want from this story? Seems like that's the climax. Well, there is actually quite just a little bit more to the story. Just a tad longer to the storyline of Hezekiah. But it does, I'm going to have to tell you now, it takes a very interesting turn. You see, the story of Hezekiah, kind of from beginning to end, we've just witnessed that. You see, at the end of chapter 19, which is where we ended last time, we're actually going back in time when we start chapter 20. It's a different time. Even though, yes, uh, chapter 20 takes place, it's written in the scripture as after the war, chapter 20 is a flashback. So we're going backwards just for a moment. It's a flashback that takes place sometime around chapters 18 and 19, somewhere in there. It's a puzzle piece that goes in there somewhere. 18 and 19 is where we know chapter 20 fits in. Now, Scripture says that Hezekiah, at this time, wherever it fits in the puzzle, at that time, Hezekiah had become very ill. My good. The king had a sickness fall upon him. An illness. He couldn't get out of bed. It was getting worse. And here, it says that it actually, the scripture says it brought him to the point of death. So perhaps, maybe perhaps, I don't know, uh, that, that could be the very reason, if you remember when, when Assyria came to visit. Remember when they came to the city gate of Jerusalem and said, listen, we're bigger, we're better. Would you just like to surrender now? Now, if you remember, Hezekiah sent his officials to go and talk to him. He sent the officials to meet the commander, not the king himself. Could it be? Maybe why? Because maybe he was in bed sick. I don't know. Maybe why he said. But what we do know, it was during the time when Assyria was preparing for battle, Hezekiah was dealing with the sickness. And here we are. But before the king, before we find the king in chapter 20, sick upon death, with the Assyrians planning the attack, this is where we fit. And I'm going to tell you now, things aren't looking good for the king. It's not necessarily turning his way. His prophet, prophet Isaiah, he comes in because he hears that the, that the king is sick. And he comes in to see the king and he brings a message to him. He says, my king, this is what the Lord says. I wish I was, but this is what he says. Put your house in order. Because, my king, you're going to die. You will not recover from this illness. Now, can you imagine? Could you, first of all, could you imagine if you were told that? You're not going to recover. And then could you imagine the blow to morale the people of Judah would experience if their king were to die as they were preparing for battle? Just as Assyria was coming upon their footsteps there at their threshold of Jerusalem, then news comes that the king is dying? Could you imagine the morale? It would be absolutely devastating. And though it is hard to see, and listen, there are times in our lives that it is hard to see. And sometimes we don't understand but just like now, when it's hard to see under these circumstances, we cannot, we must not overlook 
that God telling Hezekiah that he is going to die was a testament of what God thought of the king. You see, no man, you and me, none of us, know when that day or that hour is going to come when we leave this world for the next. We don't know. We're not meant to know. We're not designed to know. Why? Because we're not God. We're not God. But here we see in Scripture is that God has made it a point to inform Hezekiah that he's going to die so that he can prepare. This is a gift. Hezekiah, you've been so good to me. I want you to have the time necessary to prepare for this is coming. Now, upon receiving this news, I would imagine, what would you do? What would I do? I know what I would do. Probably would be getting my house in order. Probably be uh, thinking of all the things I should have done. I would have done. Did I do them right? But here it says that upon receiving the news, the scripture says that Hezekiah, what he did is when, when, when Isaiah told him that you're not going to recover, I can see Hezekiah just maybe laying in bed. And he says, you're not going to, and he turns his face away and he's looking directly at the wall. That's what the scripture says. He's looking at the wall. He turns his face to the wall and then he starts to pray. He prays to himself, looking at the wall. This is an act of humility on behalf of the king. It's an act of humility. You see, as the king, he, very, he could have changed the focus from the battle at hand to himself. All right, everybody, this is a time of mourning. Go and prepare the nation because now we are in a season of mourning. Your king is about to die. Go and prepare likewise. He could have told his servants, no, don't tend to the things that are, that are coming. Your, your only job now is to tend to me. For I'm done. make me comfortable in my last hours. You see, he, he has the right to do that. He's the king. He can do that. But what we see here in scripture is that he turns his face from the prophet. He turns his face so that to the, so he could separate from the people, separate from the prophet. He was separate from the throne. And he just prays as a man who's about to experience death with a trembling voice. He says, remember, remember, O Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully. God, remember me. I have been faithful to you with wholehearted devotion. I have done everything that you said was good. I have done it all. I'm good. And remember me, O Lord. And then after he prayed, laying there looking at the wall, the scripture says, very detailed, it says, Hezekiah, the mighty king of Judah, wept bitterly like a child. Wept bitterly after his prayer. For I think maybe this was him accepting that his time was near. It's happening. Why wouldn't it be? The prophet just says it is. Now you might be hearing this, and listen, you wouldn't be alone. You might be hearing this, 
and thinking to yourself that uh, this prayer, this, this prayer that Hezekiah has done in his bed staring at the wall sounds a little kind of prideful. It sounds maybe like a little self-justifying because he's telling God of all the work that he's done. Hey, Lord, I've been a really good boy. All right, I've been, and this isn't fair. I've done everything you've said. I've removed all the pagan gods from the temple. I've kept the people focused on you, O Lord. I have stopped all relations with Assyria. Remember how good I am and rescue me. Remember me, Lord. But I'm going to tell you now that as I was researching, and so this right, this prayer that Hezekiah is saying, this is an Old Testament prayer. According to passages like Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, this was indeed a valid way in which to approach God in the Old Testament. This is how you approached God. You see, under the old covenants, the old law, blessings and curses were sent by God on the basis of obedience and disobedience. That's how it worked. Here, the Old Testament is filled, filled with turn your ways from evil or experience the wrath of God. This is the Old Testament. This is it. The book of Psalms are filled with prayers like the one that Hezekiah just prayed. And in this case, right now, Hezekiah is saying, I have kept my eyes on you, O Lord. And now I'm asking for your blessing. I'm asking for your blessing. Now, our New Testament ears, we don't understand this. This doesn't ring a bell with us. For you and I are under a new covenant. We're under a different covenant, a new covenant. You see, we, we don't deal with, with God's blessings and cursings the way that Hezekiah did. Because we have something he didn't. The cross. We have the cross. Instead of God showing his wrath on you and me, he gave it to his son. Who willfully took it. He took it from us. And instead of judging entire nations based on the acts of only a few, God now judges the individual based on his heart alone. We won't, we, 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 none of us, we don't pray in our own name. We remember us. Look at all the good things I've done, oh Lord, remember. We don't pray like that. We pray in the name of the one who came and saved us, Jesus Christ. That's how we pray. So when we look at Hezekiah here, we don't get, what, what, is, what is he? You see, in Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe. The gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid, because here in the death of Christ I live. I live in that. Well, I'm going to tell you that it appeared when I read the scripture, when I go through the, through, through the, it appeared that God heard Hezekiah's prayer. He heard, he saw, and he heard Hezekiah. 
The prophet Isaiah, when we look at the following verses, we see that Isaiah had already delivered the message and he left the king. He left him so that he can get his house in order. And the scripture says that before Isaiah could even get outside of the palace gate, before he left the palace, God had told Isaiah to go back. I have something for the king. And so Isaiah says, okay, we'll turn right around and we'll walk right back. And so he comes right back into the, into the presence of King Hezekiah and he says, oh, king, God has a word. And he says, this is what the Lord God says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Hezekiah, you will be healed. I will add 15 more years to your life. As for the nation that threatens you, the one that's knocking on your door now, I will deliver you and this city from the hands of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. And then, after that moment, the prophet Isaiah told the king to do something. He said, you're going, you're healed, you're going to be healed. But then he tells him to go, O king, go and fetch some figs. Go get some figs. Sure. And it says, go get the fig, and I want you to boil them. And then once you boil them, apply them onto you. Okay. And the scripture says that the king, after Hezekiah did this, he was healed. Now, I have to tell you that this is an old Hebrew medical treatment. This was common medicine, to go and boil figs and apply it. It's like ibuprofen for us, right? You get it, you get it uh, it's, over, not, it's over the counter. You just go out and pluck it from the tree, right? Just get a fig and boil it up. And so this here is a Hebrew medical treatment to boil figs. And it's important to know that God told Hezekiah, he told Hezekiah that he would be healed Healing is coming, but God used medicine to do it. He used medicine to do it. So God could have eased, just, just taken the illness away. He could have just done it. He can do it. He could take the illness away, but he chose to use common medicine to bring healing to the king in this case. So when I read this, when I study this, this section of scripture, I have to believe, I, I choose to believe, that God does bring healing through medical treatments. This is what it says right here. I will not and I will not stand here and deny that God can do miracles because he does. He does miracles every day. But I'm also of the opinion, now after reading Hezekiah, is spending a great amount of time studying this story of the opinion that we should never reject proven medicine in the name of faith. I know, but that's what, that, that's what I read. That was what was written. And I want to just share that it's not a sign of spiritual weakness to seek medical treatment. For the prophet said, go and get the figs. Go get the figs. But instead, I think, and again, this is Paul talking, I think that like Hezekiah, we should have faith in God, that he can do the impossible no matter the method, 
no matter the method, that we have this faith in him, like Hezekiah. If he says, I'm going to be healed, I'm going to be healed. That's it. If he wants me to stand on one leg and with some aluminum foil, I'll do that. Whatever. But if he says, that's it. So our faith is in him. So after spending the last several weeks studying Hezekiah, deep diving and reading commentaries and this and that, and studying on him, watching him become king, cleansing the temple, preparing for an impossible battle, I might add. After seeing he was given 15 more years of his life, I have come to the conclusion that his story, the story of Hezekiah, is about the power of prayer. It's about the power of prayer. Yes, absolutely. We can get caught up in the battle. We can, we can, we can, I mean, it's exciting to see the angel come down and just wipe everybody out. And he did. That happened. The power El Shaddai came onto this earth and, it, and saved his people. It happened. But when I look at the king, when I see Hezekiah himself, every step of the way, everything that has happened has started with the prophet Isaiah saying these words. The Lord has heard your prayer. He has heard your prayer. When Hezekiah prayed for protection from the Assyrian king by laying out the letters in the temple, God heard his prayer. When Isaiah told Hezekiah that he was dying and the king prayed, remember me, O Lord, God heard his prayer. He is a God that heard the prayers of his people then, and he is still a God that hears them today. Right now, are you being attacked by the enemy? Then pray. Are you battling your health? Is something inside? Pray. Pray. Are you fearful of tomorrow? Unsure of what the future holds? Are you battling addictions of any kind? Are you right now having to choose between buying food or providing shelter for your children? Pray, 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 pray. Our God is a God who hears the prayer of his people. He is a God of mercy and compassion. He is a God who steps in when we can't. He steps in when we can't. He has, he has provided a way for us to fight earth's battles now, today. But I have nothing to give, Captain. I mean, this sounds great. It sounds like a great, I love everything, but I have nothing to give. There is nothing left in me. I am empty, I'm out of juice. I don't, I don't even have the energy to go before the Lord. And I want to say that this may be true. I will not deny that that very well may be reality. But the hope I believe in, the hope that is there right now for you and for me, came from a place of emptiness. It was birthed there. The world tried to take it away. It tried to take our hope away. It tried to silence it. 
It tried to destroy it. It tried to overcome it. But then the unexpected happened. The world was met with emptiness. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is alive. You and I have an empty tomb. It has already fought the battle. It has already won the war. And now, with your emptiness, bring your burdens before the King of Kings. And let him turn our failures into triumphs, our fears into courage, and our bondage into freedom. There's no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. There is no power of hell. There is no scheme of man, not one, that can take me away from his hand. It can't do it. So he returns or he calls me home. Here I stand in the power of Christ. My brothers and sisters, it's time to pray. And then believe, pray, and then believe. God is faithful and he will do it. Come be with him and let him, the King of Kings, fill your emptiness. Amen. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.